Hey everybody, Vicki Fitch here, your direct sales expert and the host of Vicki Fitch Live, A Fresh Perspective. You guys know on Wednesday nights, we have the first Wednesday of the month, we have the Evict the Bully in Your Head series. Uh, I have a new book coming out called Evict the Bully in Your Head that talks about the, how we feel, not good enough, strong enough, smart enough, etc. And so we bring guests on that have been through trials and tragedies and turn them into triumph. So I'm very excited about episode number 15 with Miss Irma Mosspan. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about her. We're going to talk her trials. We're going to talk about the difficulties, but I promise you at the end, we're going to bring it all forward and tell you about her amazing triumph. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Miss Irma Mosspan. Irma, how are you? Hello. Hi, Vicki. Oh my gosh. It is so good to see you. I have not seen you forever, ever, ever. It's been a long, long, long time. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, it's amazing. I'm gonna have you tilt your um your ca your camera up a little bit because it's cutting off your head. So just there you go. There, we're perfect. Okay, so Irma, we have a lot of ground to cover today. For those of you guys that have downloaded this on iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio, we really appreciate you. But I'd love for you guys to actually see how lovely Irma is. When you see the way she talks and her countenance and her presence, you're gonna be really amazed. So make sure to watch episode. 15. You guys can see it on YouTube. You can see it on Facebook.com uh, uh, slash Vicki Fitch one. You can watch it on uh, Vicki Fitch.com on the Vicki Fitch live page. So we have it all over the place for you. And Irma might uh, post it up as well. But we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to view what's going on uh, behind the scenes. So uh, Irma, I always talk about um, I always have a question of the day that we kind of just as a little icebreaker. So I'm going to ask you like who like kind of based on this whole Wonder Woman thing that's going on right now, who is your famous your your favorite? female superhero oh my goodness I would say hmm that just totally threw me off <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do we're trying to I know I know, I know. Have does it fun. have to be current times or nope, nope. you can do whatever any? you want yep well I would definitely say one that I admire the most would be Mary which is mm -hmm. Yeshua's mother and mm -hmm. I think of her often I tried to study much about her because of, you know, what she went through and her pondering, like that's the thing that always reminds me about like holding treasures in. So yeah, I would say definitely Mary. Okay. Well, and you know what, that's the thing is we're allowed to, to feel and grasp and, and resonate with whoever we want. Right. And superheroes don't necessarily come with uh, invisibility uh, cloaks or um, truth oh, yeah. lassos and stuff like that, but it's okay for us to have the, you know, vision. And sometimes I know as we talk about trials and tragedies, because you've certainly been through, um, you know, many of them, we have, we use big mechanisms. And sometimes as children, we certainly, you know, we hope and pray for a superhero or someone to, you know, to, protect us or, or watch over us because sometimes we don't have a full grasp of who God is. And I know as a Christian woman yourself that you have a very grounded faith, but uh, we're going to talk about kind of how that came about. And as we kind of, you know, kind of blend in a, a little bit of uh, stuff because we know a support system and knowing people that get us is something that's super critical. Would you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree with that. I could not agree with you more. Yes, definitely. 
So as we do that really quick, we have to blend in some information from our sponsors and ways for you guys to connect. And you guys know that I have a Facebook group called the Entrepreneurial Rockstars, and we would love to have you in there. This is a group of people that want to give at least as much as they get. They're a support system trying to help people, um, you know, build businesses and build brands. And I think Randall's going to put up a little clip for you. There you go. We would love to have you as one of our rock stars of the week. We would love to have you have a little cameo appearance on the show so we can help you to build a business and a brand help engage people um, with this audience that with you with your business because we know that there's an opportunity when we pull together and we create some unity we have an opportunity to help you build your business and then we also sponsor that's what happens to be one of our sponsors happens to be one of our rock stars and you guys know I am doing the 30 day lash building challenge uh, Jill, Jill Elliott um, you can go, go to, to my www.jillelliott.myrnf.com I believe right yes and you guys can order some supplies and products from her. I was going to be posting my naked eyeball pictures today, but I did not get them to the graphic. You know, my graphics girl put them together for you, but I think you guys are going to notice a difference. So I promise on our next, he said, red said show on the following Monday night or the next show I have, I will post those up for you guys. They're very interesting and I've definitely noticed a difference. So Jill, thank you so much for that. And we will look forward uh, to plugging in there. And if you guys are watching the show live, if you haven't shared it out yet on Facebook, if you would do that for me, I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, this is, like I said, this show can tend to get a little bit emotional, at least for me, because I have those feelings of, um, you know, trying to connect, wanting to connect. And of course, Irma personally as well. Um, I see, let's see, we have Jamie in the house. Welcome, sweetheart. It's good to see you. And then Marsha's here. Guys, hit that share button for me. We got to get the message out. Make sure. Uh, I know there's some trickiness. People are having trouble getting in sometimes. So again, thank you so much for doing that. Okay. Now, we're going to go back to you, Irma. I'm going to talk, we're going to start kind of like in back a little bit. And let's talk about growing up. Where did you grow up and what was the environment like? Well, I was born and raised in Germany in a small town called Born. And, um, you know, very traditional Christian home. And um, with two brothers and a sister. And life was pretty good until about five, six years old. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of where my background was, but I'm going to let you lead into more questions, but yeah, that's my born and raised in Germany and lived there until I was 18 years old. Okay. So, you know, I know that there's some, you know, there's some backstory about things, you know, life started out well, like you said, you lived in a Christian home and then things started to, to turn a little bit. And I know that um, your mom had some challenges and it created some pain for you. So I'd like for you to share uh, the parts that you're comfortable with about your mom and, and where uh, this journey started to take you. Cause I know, you know, our moms, especially they say that your same sex parent is, is the most um, important relationship in your life as a child. And so for you having your mom through some of these trials, it will definitely emotionally affect you and, and create some, you know, it will create some disconnects for us as women and, and how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to present ourselves. And, and so let, let's just start with there. Your mom went through some challenges. You want to share that with us? Yeah. Well, um, kind of going back to when I was maybe like five, six years old and you know, everything was fine until the night where I remember just being in our playroom downstairs and I heard my parents argue. I mean, it was more than just your regular arguing. It was just, you know, a lot of shouting and it was more my dad really just, just you know, yelling, yelling, yelling. And I remember being, you know, I want to say I was about six years old and 
uh, walking up to the stairs and sitting down at the bottom of the stairs and just intently listening and thinking, what is going on? And really at that moment, Vicky, I felt like a piece of security, piece of what I have known to be my family, just open up the bottom and start to like plummet. My little sister, who was just a year younger than me, is um, still playing at um, at the playroom. And I remember thinking, I have to protect her. I have to protect her from whatever is happening here, even though I didn't quite remember what was going on. And that's really when my life began to change because these fights were happening more and more and more. And um, I absolutely remember a turning point. There was a turning point and I started to see a change between my parents and um, over the course of the years, we did find out that my mom you know, became heavily addicted to um, prescription drugs. And, you know, it's interesting as a child growing up with um, both sets of parents sharing their point of view. And you as a child, now you're the judge. You know, at one point you believe your dad and then another point you believe your mom. And then at times you're like, well, I don't believe any of them. And you try to kind of make up your own story. But yeah, we saw our mom, you know, be hurt a lot. And um, really it came down to my dad, you know, being addicted to pornography and us being exposed to it and finding out about his extramarital affairs. And now, unfortunately, my mom wasn't educated by the pharmaceutical doctors and she had a nervous breakdown and um, she went to the doctors and they prescribed her some pretty heavy drugs and without educating her that, hey, you know what, if you're going to stay on these, it could be very addictive. And so, you know, before you knew it, we had a mom that was heavily addicted to prescription drugs. And we as children had to watch her for many, many years about that. So, you know, when we look at this, and this is whenever we do these episodes, of course, we never are taking sides. We're always looking, you know, and you as a child love both parents, obviously. And we always remember that we're a product of our own environment. So we look at your dad and we, we have to wonder, right, what is it that spurred him on, right, to pornography? What is it that spurred him on to these extramarital affairs? What emptiness and loss, he, he feeling this this loss that's pushing him in one direction. And, and then, you know, was your mother compensating for it and then creating that that backdraft that then you kids are kind of stuck in the middle how did you feel about that do you did your father also experience some kind of uh disconnection from his parents that you think was causing this or did what did you see any triggers that you know even as young as you were did you see triggers that might have you know explained what was where, where he was going or what was happening well i mean now looking back you know uh, he's now had three failed marriages. He's on his fourth relationship. And, um, you know, my mom and dad were raised in Russia. <clears throat> They're Germans, but they were raised in Russia in a very, very strict, very religious environment. So when they moved to Germany, this is what my mom shared with us is, you know, there was a, a sense of freedom mm. that came as a, you know, I think they were in their young 20s and married and kids. And so you come from a very, you know, very strict environment in Russia. Now you're moving to Germany. And if you know anything about Germany, you know, going to the grocery store, mm -hmm. um, seeing pornography there was just normal. You know, it was not as it is in the United States. Um, right. Eight o'clock Saturday night, regular TV, you're going to have, you know, all kinds of stuff there that children shouldn't see. 
So the exposure was just there. And I think just not being brought up in that environment. And now all of a sudden you have that. And then, you know, if you know anything about pornography, it is extremely addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think he just fell into the addiction. So I had two sets of parents in heavy addiction. The, the problem though, was my mom wanted to get help where he denied it, that it was a problem. You know, at one point even said to me, you know, every man, you know, does it and you know, what's so bad about it. So there's a sense of, you know, not so much owning up to, Hey, I have a problem because, sure. you know, I fell into addiction myself, but sure. I'm being a blame game. Yeah. Well, and you know, the reason we wanted to kind of dive into the piece is because, you know, there's some other parts of your life that we're going to kind of blend in and talk about as well. And, and understanding where that background is, because we want everybody who's listening again, thank you guys so much for downloading the podcast. And those of you who are here live, we really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate your sensitivity here, your participation. And, you know, I see that Julie is here and Melanie has come in the house. So welcome you guys. And thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing it out as well. This is a topic that people need to know about. They need to know that there doesn't have to be a stigma attached when there's been some addiction in your family or there's been problems, whether it's your addiction or someone else's, it's okay. You're, you know, we want to help you get through. We want to give you hope and we want to give you direction and say, Hey, you know what? Life doesn't stop because you made a mistake. It doesn't, you're not stuck there. We want to help you move forward. So as we dissect this a little bit, remember that we're doing it in a way so we can unpack it and then pack it back up in a beautiful package that says there's hope and then there that we want to help you give have courage and and maybe get some help if you're struggling with it or to recognize there's nothing wrong with you if someone else in your life is is, is dealing with it you know Irma I don't even know if you know um, that I actually was married to an alcoholic drug addict for um, only for a year before I met my husband and um, it was a, a very difficult situation and uh, my father was an alcoholic my brother and my sister are both alcoholic drug addicts. And so I've had a lot of addiction in my family as well. And I know that it affected me. It affected me tremendously on um, the things my father would say and how it affected my psyche and it, the things that my brother or my sister and things that happened. So when your father is addicted to pornography and telling you that it's normal, how did that affect you? Did you feel like that you had some body shaming issues because of it? Did you feel like you needed to check it out and then compare yourself? Because a lot of people that have experienced that go through some of those things. I'd just like to know what your perspective was. Yeah. Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, I know. I know. So yeah, we were definitely wrongly exposed to pornography. Um, my dad had a huge library of films and, you know, from every kind, it wasn't just your regular pornography. And there were times when, you know, we as kids, we snuck into the library, my brothers, and, you know, it was like a funny thing, like, hey, one of us, you know, watch out if someone comes home and the other ones were watching. And yeah. so very unhealthy exposure to right. sex, to mm. what sex should look like. Sure. Um, and the problem with that and why I personally speak so heavily against pornography is, you know, even the scripture says it is a sin against your own body, which it's a marking. Like it is really difficult even you know, getting married and being intimate with a wonderful husband mm -hmm. for the longest, longest time I battled images. And I would tell him like, when I close my eyes, I, I, you may watch like a beautiful series of movies and you can watch all kinds of things, experience all kinds of things that your brain will just kind of like make it part of the past. Right. 
pornography is like a brand on your brain. And, you know, for me, I'm a firm believer that really Jesus, the Messiah can set you free of that. And, you know, he has done that for me and we can talk about that later, but it took years, years and years and years. And I mean, body images, um, I mean, everything is messed up as a child, especially when you get exposed to that. I mean, my sister and I, we were like having our Barbies have sex and, you know, I mean, right. you think about things that a child shouldn't be thinking about, but you're exposed to it and then you act it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and there, that's the thing is that there are a lot of, um, that people that don't get it right. They don't understand because, you know, there's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of body shaming recently in the news. There was, you know, we won't mention any names, but, um, you know, someone that got in trouble for, uh, taking a picture of a woman in a, in a, um, in a locker room and then making a comment, if I can't, unsee, you can't either like body shaming this poor woman in her seventies. And it doesn't matter how old or young you are there. Like you said, Irma, that the images are ingrained, right? And that's, that's mm-hmm. what they talk about, about why it creates a stimulation in the brain. It creates a stimulation in the body. And then it puts people, they get stuck in a loop and it is addiction. It's, it's, it's an addictive piece that, that pushes them over and over and over into a place that they don't want to be. And so, you know, having experienced some friends that went through that and had, you know, her comparing, having her get a boob job and having, having all these things change because he wanted her to look like the girls in the porno. And so, you know, it starts to, to affect relationships. And so wondering again, and if at any time you're uncomfortable, feel free to, you know, we'll move on from, you know, to the conversation. We don't want you to ever feel uncomfortable, but I am so appreciative that you're willing to bring hope to these people. Um, I know that there's some comments here. I'm going to read, I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to read some comments so we can blend that in because we want to give them an opportunity to, um, you know, ask you questions directly if you're okay with that, Irma. Sure. So, you know, knowing that this affected you that way, you know, we're going to talk about the addiction that you fell into as well. You know, how did you feel about yourself as a young woman? Did you compare yourself to what was happening? Did you feel like you needed to um, engage sexually sooner rather than later because that was the norm and that's what was being presented to you? Well, I, um, I'm also a firm believer in generational sin, um, as the scripture talks about it. And I believe the sexual sin has definitely had a hold in my family for generations. And I can even go back, um, to my grandfather and beyond, of course, at the time as a young Christian girl that is trying to figure out why is daddy standing on the pew Sunday morning preaching, which he was Mm. uh, a youth leader. And then there is this dark side that is obviously dirty Mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure it out and you can't explain it. Um, For me personally, and I believe that there were things that happened to me as a young child and um, they came a point that And this is something that went way past into my adult years that I am a very strong person, as you know, Uh Uh, I'm a fighter, I'm a survivor. But when it came to men, boys trying to touch me, hurt me physically, Mm -hmm. there was a way that I could not say no. I mean, it started from being 12 years old and being on vacation, you know, just having this man, you know, touch me all over. And I remember in my mind, and this is something that 
I can verbalize today because I have worked through it and worked sure. through it. And, and I think it is so important to talk about it because it's not us that need to be ashamed about it. You know, if something happens to us, but there's a pattern that I have now heard from other women. For me personally, it was as if I could escape, like my mind could escape, mm -hmm. but there was no power to say no. It was as if right. a spirit took over. Right. Now, the scripture says when man and woman become one, I believe they share more than just a physical oneness and these they, they're spiritual exchange and so i think as a victim as a young victim i was drawing in other ugly spirits and mm -hmm. you know and I, I i didn't know how to say no i didn't know how to protect myself right. um from situations where mm -hmm. i should have said no and i don't i don't want that so yeah way too early way too soon way way too much abuse really um, but I think it all started from allowing the spirit of pornography into our home through my mother. Sure. And, and we saw that even in my other siblings. Mm. Well, and, and usually there is, I mean, did you, do you, did your other siblings end up with some type of addiction as well? Uh, or, or, or maybe even depression of trying to avoid and, and because it is hard to deal with things yeah. that happen to us as a kid. Yeah, they definitely did. But um, that's something I wouldn't want to talk about just because it's, sure. their, it's their story. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, but for sure, there was definite struggles on each on each child. Yes. Right. And so, you know, for those of you guys who are here, I noticed Anthony Conklin is in the house. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm going to get to your, or Jamie, I'm going to get to your question in one second. And Julie, yours as well. April is also in the house. Guys, those of you who are downloading this podcast, um, thank you. I, I think that you're going to find this episode really amazing. Again, the Evictable in the Head Your series is all about dealing with trials and tragedies and turning them into triumph. And it's not by covering them up. We're not trying to put a bow, you know, or what they call lipstick on a pig. We're not trying to pretend that something's better than it is. We're trying to deal with it, walk through it and, and take it to a different place to remember. And you'll, I, I know that you're going to notice, um, the countenance that Irma presents here. She's not angry. You know, she's, um, she's humble and she's worked through this and she wants to give you hope and strength. And so those of you guys are here, I hope that you'll do me a favor and, um, share this broadcast out because I bet, you know, people, even if you don't know that, you know, them that are going through this, they've either, maybe they were molested. Maybe their children have been molested. Maybe they've been exposed to pornography, especially in the public school system these days. It's so rampant and, and kids don't know how to deal with it. They don't know what to do. And sometimes they tell their parents and sometimes they're just acting like jerks because they don't know how to process. They don't know how to tell you what's happening. So um, I'm going to go ahead and um, it, tell you, Jamie said, I've made loads of mistakes in my life and found it hard to deal with mistakes. And now I'm trying to deal with it by running a charity, helping drug users and alcoholics and the homeless in the UK. So Jamie, first of all, I'm going to say kudos to you for trying to work through it. Secondly, just like Irma said, it's not your fault. And I hope that the pain and the shame that that can be removed from what you're doing and that, that, that what you're doing is creating wonderful benefit from you, but to remember that the, most of those things are not your mistakes and extensions of what you've done because of what you learned. You know, we are a product of our own environment, though not your fault either. Let's just look at ways to heal and to change. Um, you know, uh, I'm also going to tell you a couple other comments and I'd like you to respond if you're okay with that, Irma. 
Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Julie was talking about on Periscope, it's glorified to roast kids. I can tell you if I ever saw Periscope, I, you guys already know that on Blab, they used to call me Blab Mama. You know, I would get in there and, and protect those kids. And, and we need to do that. We need to step up and stand out in whatever environment we're in uh, and make sure that happens. Uh, Jamie says, well done on everything you've done with yourself and God bless you, Irma. So she's hey. really, yeah, she really yeah. thinks that you're awesome. And Marcia said, it's a deep uh, rooted from the mom and dad problems. They didn't know any better and brought it onto their children. Right. And so you can see the change that Irma has is, is making sure that she sets a different foundation for kids. Well, so- and I just want to, I want to mention too, that, um, I believe that the first step of healing comes through forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. if you can't forgive, then your heart is only going to be harder and you're going to somehow bring it to your next generation, whether you like it or not. So, um, I've forgiven my, my dad, even though he never asked for forgiveness and, um, you know, my mom and I have the sweetest relationship and, you know, her story is just such an amazing victory story in itself because she was a victim in all of this, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it starts with forgiveness. And, you know, you mentioned shame quite a bit, you know, when you look at the scripture, shame comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from our heavenly father. You know, he wants us to repent and he wants us to be free but the enemy wants to shame us. And so, you know, every time there's shame, you ought to really come out of it and talk about it because that's not where you're going to find freedom. That's only where you're going to be put under and put down. And that's not of the spirit of God. Amen to that. And that's absolutely true. And helping people to understand that, you know, whether or not you're a believer, there is hope for you. And, you know, Irma is going to blend it in. As you know, I'm a Christian and I, I, I even do a show called Christianpreneur is that we're going to blend in our belief system. It, you don't have to hold the same beliefs, but you do need to know that there is hope that you are not alone and that it's not your fault. You know, even if you have continued one of uh, a very close friend, had experienced something um, in a sexual nature when she was younger and was carrying it with her forever that somehow she was okay with it, that it, she, she was okay. She allowed it to happen and she was okay, but that doesn't make it right. Being groomed for something, being conditioned for something doesn't make you a bad person. And, and we have got to let that go because the heartbreak of an adult that has not allowed themselves to heal from something that happened as a child is um, so intense and it's become so hardened that there's so many layers of crust there that that's one of the things I love about seeing you Irma is that you are you know like you said you've forgiven and you are are ready to help other people to forgive and to be set free as well so it's it's a really really amazing thing and kudos to you my friend Okay. So we were talking about, you know, how that stuff affected you, right. And where you went. So there was, um, you know, there was an addiction of yours. You just you started compensating for these things that were happening and the people in your life and you started compensating. Do you want to share with people how, how you started compensating and coping with the things that were happening? Sure. Um, so remember going back to when I was six years old and, and life began to really change. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, just every time there was drama and every time there was drama when mom was high and they're threatening divorce and there's just constant uneasiness and there was just not, sec- there was no security as kids. Right. I remember feeling like I just got to save my family. I just, I just want to save my family. Like I had a love for my family so much. And when my dad sat us down on like a Sunday and would say, okay, guys, you know, we're getting a divorce. You choose who you want to go with. 
I mean, how do you do that to a child? Well, I started carrying that pain, um, that, that emotional pain very much in my belly. And so I would develop all these stomach pains and I ended up in the hospitals with ovarian cysts and just way too early to deal with this stuff. And when I was about 13, 14 years old, I was in the hospital for about a week or so. And I remember um, losing some weight and I was always very slender. I was never an overweight kid. I was never um, dealing with, you know, that kind of body image issues, but there was a sense of power that came from controlling my food. Now, this is going back over 20 years ago, and I had no idea what anorexia was. I had no idea what bulimia was. I had never seen an anorexic person. This is before social media. Mm-hmm. It was a sense of power that happened, and so I would skip meals. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went out of the hospital and I started to get comments like, oh, you know, look thin. And mm-hmm. so I remember thinking, oh, okay, they notice. Right. So I would then skip more meals. And what was happening, it was pretty easy because my parents were so preoccupied in their own junk right. that it wasn't very obvious. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of like a power thing. And I never, never in a million years thought that I would lose control because really the lie of Satan is you're in control. Right. Just like when you start drinking and when you take drugs, you know, you're in control of the substance. And right. so... I felt very much in control and, and I really didn't realize I was falling into this victim of now an eating disorder taking over my life. Mm-hmm. And so it did, you know, it, it ended up becoming an addiction, but I used it very much so to basically control my parents. So when I look back into my diaries, which mm-hmm. at the time being, I can talk about it now and I can tell you kind of what's going on, but at the time being, I did not understand it. So if you're dealing with an anorexic child right now or a child that is bulimic or a child that's cutting, mm-hmm. they probably don't understand at the moment what they're doing, right. but I would say 99% of the time it's control. Right. And when I look back at my diaries, I would underline, you know, I'm sick. I'm in the hospital, mom and dad visiting together circle, Mm. you know, they're not fighting, underlining. And so I think for, for me as a child, looking back, I was able to, for that moment, bring peace into my family's home by starving myself and falling deeper and deeper and deeper into my own addiction. When is it that your parents uh, or the doctors recognized it was actually an addiction? You know, was, was, did the doctors tell them first and they didn't believe it? Did you deny it? Like, what? Could you, could you walk us through that a little bit? So yeah. That and again, you know, we're going, we're going back over 20 years where it was not a very common sure. um, thing. As a matter of fact, my parents had no idea this existed. I mean, they're like, you know. And you're still in Germany at this point, I'm right? in Germany. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would say if I go back probably at age 14, 15, and I, I was pretty radical. So I'm a pretty radical person. When I do something, you know, I do it full force. And so <laughs> I wasn't like, you know, I'm not going to eat a little bit. Like there were times I wouldn't eat for an entire month but have two bowls of rice and a yogurt. And I would live on Diet Coke, Pepsi, I mean, Diet Coke, coffee, and gum. Uh, I, I should really physically not be alive when I look back at what, how, how much of starvation I brought to myself. I, I was about 
85, 90 pounds at five, six, I started growing hair on the back of my back because your body is, you know, trying to preserve life. And so you're always cold and I, you know, I pass out constantly. And so, I mean, they might, the doctors recognize like there's something severely wrong and they tried, they tried to force, um, help. But again, you know, we can talk about that. That does work, but that is the reason, um, you know, at age 15, almost 16, the doctors basically, um, told my mom, like, she's probably going to starve herself to death. And, we don't know what to do. And, you know, the school refused to have me come to school. I was in 10th grade. I just started 10th grade. And they said, you know, if she does not eat in front of us teachers so we can see her eating, she can't come to school because I would consistently pass out. And there was a risk for me getting hurt there. And so it was February of 1994 where I just decided, well, then I won't go to school. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how I ended up in the United States. <laughs> well, that, well, it's an amazing question. You know, when you're saying that's how I ended up in the United States, we definitely want to dive into that. But I do want to know, you know, what were your, what, what was your parents' reaction? What, was it anger, like knock it off and eat Irma? Or was it, um, let's come together. How did your brother's sisters feel? And did they feel that the manipulation you were causing, were they angry with you? Did it create some sibling rivalry? Oh, goodness gracious. All of it. <laughs> and above. <laughs> uh, my sister, you know, um, she's a year younger than me. She struggled a lot because she always felt like, and she's still to this day, um, you know, I think we've kind of worked through it, but she mm -hmm. felt like she was always in my shadow because I was always the sick one. Sure. Um, my brothers, sometimes very angry. Um, we were very, very close as siblings. There was four of us born in five years of each other. Wow. So we were talking like extremely close, gone through so much trauma as children. Um, no, they weren't angry at me. They understood that, you know, something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they would oftentimes beg me and, you know, and I always say this today, um, if you're dealing with an anorexic person, don't give them the time of day. <laughs> don't mm. give them the attention um, because the more attention that I got, the more it was feeding the anorexic spirit. Mm. And I can call it a spirit because I know it's a spirit. Mm. So, um, yeah, they really did the wrong thing by giving it so much attention, especially mm. when I started to eat a little bit. And then they would be like, oh, you look great. You gained some weight. I'd be like, oh. <gasps> Oh no, I lost control. So it would immediately set me back into, you know, starving myself again. Well, that, you know, when we look at those things, um, you know, I'm going to ask a question uh, that actually had come up during the week that someone asked. Again, if you don't want to answer it, Yerma, you certainly don't have to. But um, there's a, a woman that's one of my listeners, and she has a daughter that is, um, she's actually approaching 20. And her, I don't, I don't, I didn't get all the details, but I don't know if her periods stopped, didn't start what happened that the, the actual body, the way it operates started, uh, we're going to call it a malfunction. And her, her mom was just asking if there's any information, like, did you experience that she's struggling with not bringing her to the doctor? There, there's a lot of detail, but, um, you know, and, and does it cause problems with, uh, being able to have children later? So I don't know if this is really going to help her so much. I think she's a doctor, but I think that she would like to hear from someone that might 
um, give her some guidance there if you don't mind. Yeah. So I lost my period. Um, I lost a good, probably half of my hair. Um, the thing about the human body, the way you have to understand it is, um, it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing. Actually, the body is beautiful when you nourish the body. Every single cell needs nourishment, minerals, vitamins, antioxidants, um, you know, amino acids. And if you don't give your body that, what happens is everything that is luxury will begin to shut off before it goes towards kidney, heart, liver, and the, the main function. So hair will fall out because that's luxury. Mm-hmm. periods will absolutely stop. That's luxury to a body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fingernails will not grow. The skin is going to break out. I mean, I have, I was severely broken out all the time. Um, so the body basically goes into sur- um, survival mode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was told I would never have children because I starved myself for so long and um, yeah, total miracle, but very common that you will not have a menstrual cycle. Okay. But so obviously yours came back then mm-hmm. by when you started taking care of yourself. So there's mm-hmm. hope. And I think, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is wonderful. And, and the fact that you do two of your children, you have four children, two of them are you, you birthed, correct? Right. Right. And the other two, I think there was an adoption and, and a foster, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, okay. I'm going to look at the chats really quick. David Gonzalez is in the house. Welcome. Um, Jamie has said that she's clean for 10 years, but it's always in the back of her head and she still deals with everything that she's put in her life. And she wants to ask you something. How can I forgive someone who has hurt me so much over three years? I've tried to forgive them, but I still can't forgive them. Plus I've been hurt so much by my mom for over 15 years and can't feel um, I feel like I can't forgive her. And so she would, she, that's, she wants to ask you that. How does she do that? Irma? how did you do it? What's her name? Uh, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Good to see you here. Jamie, the only way I can answer you is from my own personal belief. First and foremost, forgiveness is not for the person. Forgiveness is for you. And forgiveness also doesn't say it's okay what you did. Forgiveness is taking a pair of scissors and cutting the chain that they're still holding you under. The way that I was able to forgive is really honestly to look at my own life. And if I had to be really honest, and if you have to be really honest, there's things that you have done and there's things that I've done to hurt people, uh, whether it is minor or major. But I think if we're humans and we're living, we've hurt people. Mm -hmm. And when I came to know my Messiah, Yeshua, the Messiah, you know, Jesus, all I could do was look at my life in basically the background and I see the cross. And I looked at him who was completely sinless, completely clean. And yet, you know, he was completely um, humiliated. He was hit. He was punched. He was sped upon. And he chose, the scripture says he chose to bear our iniquity. So he took all of this junk upon himself to say, I will give you power to forgive. And so for me personally, when I understood that, and I got chills right now thinking about it, when I understood that my father was just a wretched sinner as I am, and I am no one to put sin on a scale. 
I'm not to say his, his sin is worse than mine or mine is worse than his. I just knew we're both sinners. And if I want to have any hope of having a beautiful life here on planet earth, the life that my Messiah wants me to live, the life that he gave me, mm-hmm. I could only lead by cutting loose the chain that really happened through the hurt that my father did. The hurt that my mom you know, put on us kids, not by choice, but really by default. Mm-hmm. And when I began to forgive those men that hurt me mm-hmm. by name, and, and many of them, I never had a chance to actually phone call them and tell them I forgive them. And I would do that today. But I would in prayer say, I forgive because I have been forgiven. Amen. And that's when I really experienced freedom. And when you, when you read in scripture, the newness of life, it really is real. I mean, I can sit here today and if any of those people were in the room here today, I, I could walk up to them and give them a hug and, and embrace them because I know that they have fallen victim to something themselves. Nobody, I don't believe anybody that is just pure and clean, goes out there and hurts people. You know, deep down, somehow along the way, they've been hurt or they have been exposed to something. And so forgiveness at the end of the day is the very first step for you to walk in freedom. And I want to talk about being completely free because I used to believe that I will always be Irma the anorexic, that it will always be back in the mind of my mind. And it does not have to be that way. I promise you that whether it's alcoholism or it is pornography or it is, it is anything that you've been a victim to, there can be total freedom. And I am living proof of that. And I'll share here um, when we get to the end, how I've been able to get there. But um, I promise you, sister, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And it's to set yourself free and it's not telling them it's okay. And really quick, I am so sorry. Jamie is male. I'm so sorry because I, I did not know that there was no picture. But Jamie, I, everything that she said except sister is oh, completely brother. relevant to you. <laughs> um, he just posted in there. And so thank you so much. And I do apologize, Jamie. There, there was no photo of you. And um, I my inclination was to go female. And I'm so sorry about that. But what Irma just shared with you is is completely relevant about forgiveness and, and um, you know, how to, you know, put that and, and remember that it is for you. So I so appreciate those questions. And remember those of you guys, again, who have downloaded this podcast, I should have said it earlier. And, and my, my apology there is that there is obviously some, even though we're a G or PG rated show, there is some adult content here for sure that um, might not be appropriate for your children. And as we continue that, that will probably still be here. So you might want to turn it off if you're uh, with your small children, because we definitely, that's what we're talking about. We don't want to expose children to things that they, uh, they don't need to know right now. But, but remember, you're okay. You're not alone. Irma is willing to share out here with you guys. There's people in the chat and the, on the live audience that are, that are, are sharing their own hearts because that is healing. And that's, that's why we do show, you know, evict the bully in your head. You are good enough. You are strong enough. You're smart enough. You're pretty enough. You're strong enough. You're okay just the way you are. And, and just please continue to remember that and, and, and continue to have hope. Um, you know, uh, Jamie said, your words are so strong, Irma. I love the words you're saying and thank you so much. So you really impacting Jamie today, Irma. Thank you for that. Um, and Marcia said, you have realized it and you moved away from it and accompanied so many wonderful things in your life. So again, you're really um, touching hearts out here, Irma. And we really, really appreciate that about you. 
Um, you know, I, I want to ask, how did this, you know, when did you Alex meet and how did this, you know, affect your relationship? I know you guys met when you were, I believe, 18. And so, you know, this is a really short window between this, you know, I'm six now, I'm 12, and now people are touching me. And, now, you know, I, I you know, you, you and you spell Ogoloni German. You, did you speak Russian as well, or you only spoke German? No. So my parents um, grew up in Russia, but they never taught us Russian because they heritage German. So okay. didn't know Russian. Um, my mom had a really, really good friend uh, growing up in Russia. Uh -huh. And in 19, uh, 1989, during the Reagan time, mm -hmm. when they, he really opened the doors for the Christians to come into the United States, um, Luba and her family moved to Portland, Maine. Okay. So my mom always stayed in touch with her and she was, she was really like her best friend growing up and a friend that she could cry out to and just share with. And, you know, there were just times where she had no one to talk to and she would call up her friend Luba and she would share about me, you know, my suffering. And I wasn't in school and, and, and Luba said, well, we'll just send her over here. We'll make her eat. You know, I mean, just, they had no idea what they were getting into. Uh -huh. And uh, so my mom was working at the time and she called me because I had stayed with dad. I was ping ponging back and forth who could take care of me. And she said, you know, do you want to go to the United States for, you know, a month? And if you like it, you can extend it. And, you know, you just have promised to eat. And I was like, yeah, I'll promise, you know, you become a really good liar. Good liar right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Deceiver and liar. And, um, so long story short, she bought my dad and I a ticket. Uh, my dad accompanied me to um, Portland, Maine. I was absolutely shocked because in my mind, in my German 15-year-old mind, I envisioned Hollywood, New York. Gotcha. And I ended up in Portland, Maine in an immigrant, um, low housing you know, environment and Everyone spoke Russian. I didn't know Russian. I didn't know English. And I, all I wanted was to go home. It was terrible. <gasps> so this was March of 1994. I was 15 years old, mm. about to turn 16 in April. And they had a couple of teenagers and they were very sweet, very kind. And, you know, it took a couple of days for me to just kind of wrap my brain around what am I doing here? And I thought, okay, one month I can handle this. And yeah, so I made friends and it was actually really fun. They were very good. It was good for me to be outside of my environment. Mm -hmm. And so my dad, he asked me if I wanted to stay, extend my stay because remember I wasn't allowed to go to school anyway. So mm -hmm. I said, sure, why not? And so he left home and they extended my stay until um, August of that year. And about a week later, I met Alex. <laughs> yeah, that was that's another crazy story. But yeah, I was 16 and he was 23 when we met. Oh my goodness. So, you know, we as you're talking about this, you're talking about getting away from the environment. You got away from your your mom and dad fighting. You got away from your brothers and sisters, you know, have their own um, way they're dealing with the troubles that are going on, you know. And so when we do remove ourselves from the environment, we have a chance to start healing on a, on a different set of terms. Sounds like that that transition started to give you some self-esteem, started to give you some uh, a foundation? Well, I, I don't know if that's okay. really happened. I think yeah, for, tell us. We want to know. For me, it really was, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it's kind of like a running away. 
you know, okay. because you're now in a different country with people that don't know you. They don't have any clue what your family history is like, which, you know, we were kind of the shunned family out of the very strict religious church. Mm. And um, yeah, so for me, it was honestly just a total disconnect, like mm. pretending almost like I have a different life. I didn't have mm. to face, you know, my mom who was an addict, my dad, you know, yelling at my mom and now they're going through divorce and that, mm. you know, that's all happening while um, I'm 15 years old and, you know, Alex is a super nice guy and, you know, he just like wanted to, you know, take me out on dates and, you know, we couldn't really talk. <laughs> That's the other thing, you know, we were, just I'm like, not even putting that together oh that gosh. you don't even speak the same language. No, no, which is a total crazy nether story. But, you know, he, he always tells the story. He said, you know, he, had a picture in his mind when he was younger of the woman he would marry. And, you know, in, in the Russian culture, you're 18, 19, 20, you, you're married. So he was 23 and his parents were like, you know, aren't you going to get married? Like, aren't you going to find a girl? And, and he would always say, no, no, no. And, and he said, you know, that day when I walked down the stairs and he um, um, saw me, he said, you know, I just knew that picture of me and my, future wife became one. And, you know, honestly, from that day, he did fight for me. He did battle for me. And ultimately he, he won my heart over. That's, that's a lovely story. And, and, you know, there, we're going to go into some parts and, and how, where you, you know, found some difficulties later on, but, um, uh, you know, I want to talk about really quick, just what advice would you give people that are going through this, whether they're personally going to some of the trials, they have a spouse that's into pornography, they've fallen into, you know, some kind of addiction, whether it's eating disorders or, or pills to cover things up, or maybe they're dealing with a child or a friend or a family member. What would you, what advice would you give them? Oh boy. <laughs> There's uh, quite a few things that come to my mind. Um, we're going to get to the part where I found healing in my own eating disorder. Um, it's going to come in a little bit, but if you okay. feel like you need to blend it here in some okay. way, you know, okay. you can, but we're definitely well, going to talk about that. I would definitely say um, if you're dealing with it, if you're the person that's the addict, um, don't allow shame, guilt, or hurt to keep you from speaking truth. Mm -hmm. Most likely the people in your environment that are around you, that love you, or, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and I think hiding things will only make it worse. Mm -hmm. Healing can only come if you really want to. Mm -hmm. That's really probably my one advice I'm going to give to parents. You cannot force healing on a child. Right. Um, I have been, I mean, they tried it on me. I've been in a locked institute institution. I have tried to commit suicide. I have been in all scenarios, but until the day came where I wanted freedom, it's kind of like forgiveness. You know, I can talk to Jamie about forgiveness and I can sit here on this end, tell him how awesome it is. Right. And I can show him all the steps, how to get there. Mm -hmm. But until he decides today's the day that I'm going to forgive today's the day I want to be free. It's not going to matter. Right. So healing will only happen and you cannot heal for somebody else either. Yeah. I've tried that too. I tried right. to heal for my kids. I tried to heal for my husband. It doesn't work. Right. So my suggestion for someone that has a loved one going through it, 
honestly is love them unconditionally. Mm. Don't put a ton of focus on it. Mm. Um, don't, don't spin your life around it. Because especially if you give a ton of attention to an addiction, mm. you're feeding the devil. Right. But just love them. Love them for who they are and um, try to separate the addiction from the person. And then that's really, really great advice because that's where we falter sometimes. Uh, I was speaking at an event today and a woman came up after me afterwards and asked me a question that was about something different. And yet it's the same answer is that you need to love people for who they are and without expectation of who you want them to become. You know, there's a song uh, by JJ Heller and it's called what love really means. And it says, um, which I talk about all the time, you know, I want you to love me for me, not for what I have done or what I'll become. Just love me for me. And that's what we're talking about is that we want people to accept them. You don't have to accept unacceptable behavior. We don't have to accept people abusing us or whatever in their own addiction, but we do need to love the person and hate the disease, you know, hate that addiction. Yeah. And if I can just talk to parents of young children, um, if you're watching this or if somebody's sharing this with you, as a matter of fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, there's a show I did with my son, Noah, um, who is 19 and who made a commitment to be pornography free early on in his life. And I actually interviewed him, how he's been able to do that. And we talk about that. But one advice that I'll give you is if I were to raise children today, if my kids were toddlers today, I would buy every resource possible. Um, there's beautiful books written by Christian authors on how to prepare them for this battle of pornography. Mm. If you think that they're not going to be exposed to it, then you're living in la-la land. Mm-hmm. Um, with this evil device right here, uh, whether they are in grade school or in primary school or in high school, it doesn't matter where they are. Right. Someone is going to expose them to that devil. And right. so you're going to have to be proactive in already telling them how to say no, how to actually not even have curiosity for it. And that's what we did because I was a victim to pornography. Sure. We really raised our kids in a very proactive way so that talking about, you know, sex and penis and erection, all that wasn't even cool because, hey, mom and dad talked about it with us. And right. we helped understand what is beautiful intercourse. Right. according to scripture and what right. has been absolutely perverted by the enemy. Right. But please, please, please prepare children because in my opinion, it is the worst drug right now that we're battling. Right. Well, I, I think that you're right. I think it's one of those, it's the silent drug, right? It's the one that people can be doing and you don't understand why are they angry? Why are they frustrated? Why are they rude? Why are they disrespectful when just five minutes ago they weren't because they get stuck in wanting to go back and check it out and then, and the draw and the pull back and forth and back and forth of why do I want it? Something's wrong with me. Oh my God. You know, I mean, I've seen it. I used to teach uh, release time Christian education in the public school system. And these kids would talk to me about these struggles and, and what other kids are doing and what they do in the bathroom on recess and the games they play. And, and it's just, you know, it's so minor. And then when you start Put, you know, I say minor, meaning then you start putting adult images in front of them and it just becomes mind blowing. Like they, they can't process, they can't, they're just overwhelming. And the fact that you have not only lived through it, forgiven through it, but are now guiding other people to, you know, to be solid in a, and create a new foundation that's in healing, in health and in the Lord, that's, it's just so, you know, it's just 
it's amazing, Irma. It's really amazing. I'm well, and be willing to blessed. share with your kids your own struggles. You know, your kids don't need to see you as superheroes. They need to see you as real, relatable. Um, as a matter of fact, I did something that I um, think was the greatest gift I gave to my daughter. I, when she turned 16, I gave her all my diaries oh, and wow. I didn't pre-check them. And I just said, wow. I don't ever want you to think don't understand you. And she was able to read all my diaries and she would call me sometimes, you know, she would say, mom, I'm in the middle of this story and I'm totally on your side. And oh my gosh, I can't believe this and this. And, you know, if you ask her today, who's her best friend, she'll say, you know, it's my mom, but it's because she's always been able to a know that I can relate to her. She can relate to me, but I've been real to her. It's not this unreachable human being that has a halo around her head right. that I for the longest time thought my parents were until that night. Mm-hmm. And then it crushed me. Right. But I've shared with my kids, my struggles. I told them where I failed. I told them how I lived life and how it hurt me mm-hmm. so that they are totally really kind of prepared for their own battles. Right. Well, I think that they're, you know, the way we handle things, we are a product of our own environment. And that's, you know, we're going to handle things in a way that we feel will benefit them the best. And that's what you've done is that you've tried to prepare them and you tried to live through your own trials and make the best um, decisions you can for them. And, and they, I don't know them personally, but they look like lovely children. I think I did. It seems like I met them at an airport or something once when they were tiny, they were really, you know, really tiny. <laughs> yes. No, I wouldn't know them as adults for sure, except for your Facebook posts. So, um, but that's, that is, is really interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we should um, blend in here, your story versus because where I was going to go with it, we'll have to kind of traverse back. So why don't we just talk about, um, you know, you have a story of where you were even on the brink of divorce and, and you, you, even though you were saved as a, you were a Christian, you had some difficulties. And so let's talk, let's blend those two in what order they came in and how they've affected your life. Ooh. Okay. So yes, I'm raised in a Christian home. I'm going to call it a religious home. Because okay. Today, I can definitely um, speak from experience relationship with the Lord versus, um, you know, knowing about him um, in, in 2006, 2006, I remember very clearly living in Maine and, um, you know, it was right around when I had left creative memories at the time, you know, that's where we met Vicki uh, was in direct sales. I had achieved, you know, um, status and achievements and top this and top that. And, you know, I remember standing in my, in my, um, kitchen and you have to picture it this way. It's an open area and there was a window out on my left and it, I can see the backyard and Alex was out in the yard and Noah was mowing the lawn and Leia daughter was playing with the doll. So I could see kind of my life right there in front of me mm-hmm. and I should have been happy. I mean, we had done pretty well. Um, you know, like I said, I achieved some things in my career at the time. And yet in that moment, I remember feeling as if I was a thin piece of glass. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing there and thinking, if this is it, Mm -hmm. then I don't know if my belief is really what I believe. And I began to question everything. I began to question God. I began to question my faith. And I thought, well, why isn't the Muslim right? Why isn't the Mormon right? Why, why do I think I am right? Just because it was 
put in my bassinet when I was a baby. And Mm -hmm. so I remember clearly that day changing my life forever. I walked backwards. I shut the door in my bedroom and I walked a little bit backwards into my closet and I locked that door and it was a walk-in closet and I had my carpet moment. And I remember just getting flat on the floor and bawling my eyes out. And I really did challenge that that day. Mm -hmm. I said, if you are really the God, the life living true God, if you are the one that sent your son on this earth to die for me, for me as a wretched sinner, then you better show up big in my life. I am so tired of thinking this is not real and, and feeling empty and feeling like a piece of glass. that's about to shatter. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I let all out for the first time in my life as honest as I could mm-hmm. talking to him, like he was in the room. Sure. And, and that's when my life began to change as a believer, because I also then had to do what I felt like I had to do, which was go find him. Like if, if I wanted him to show up, you know, so I began to actually read the scriptures on purpose and, you know, and he began to show up and really challenge me, mm-hmm. um, to really surrender some idols. And that's where surrendering my anorexia came in. Yeah, my marriage stuff, that happened in, oh, 2000, what are we, like 17, 14, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alex and I, really interesting story, never fought in our marriage. Wow. And so, and if I say this, I mean this, and it's really true. Um, and it's really a wrong thing, I believe. But remember, my trauma began with my parents fighting. Sure. So I remember making a commitment as a young child. I will never I will never put my kids through that. I will never fight. I will never raise my voice. I will never make my kids feel insecure. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put that wrong belief. Remember, we are a product of our environment, right? Mm-hmm. So um, getting married at 18 in a country I didn't know to a man I hardly knew, uh, speaking <laughs> a, a language that you know was foreign to me, <laughs> and being 18 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's really what happened. You know, I went back home when I was 16 and, you know, we were dating, so to speak. We lost contact for about a year. Worst year of my life was when I was 17. He found me again and wanted me to come back. My mom actually met him before I did. And they talked because they talk Russian. And she called me and she said, you know, he wants to marry you and you should marry him. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, so people ask me, why did you marry him? Yeah, my mom told me to, and that was a great idea, but I think it was an escape more than anything. Sure. And, um, so we did get married, you know, we didn't communicate. Mm. We, he took care of me the best he knew how he was very loving, very supportive of anything I ever wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would, you know, he would carry me through planet earth. I mean, he really, really loved me. Mm-hmm. And he loved me the way that he knew how, not the way I needed to be loved. And that's mm-hmm. where our big mistake happened. And that was a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. And so I have the love language, uh, words of affirmation and gifting. And his love language is physical touch and quality time. Mm-hmm. And so one of us really kind of came short. And so we lived a, a, a pretty happy life on the out. I think everybody thought we were like that perfect couple. And I think we did think so too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't argue. We saw everybody else argue around us. But internally, right. I learned how to just stuff things away that were bothering me. And he did the same thing. And so he secretly turned to alcohol. 
Mm. I secretly turned to emotional affairs and work. Mm. And then in 2014, when we moved to Germany, because of the work I did at the time, things really, really started to fall apart. Mm. And um, yeah, it it was really bad. (laughs) And, you know, I, I was on another broadcast and he asked me what was my biggest regret. And my biggest regret in life is not seeing the pain I was causing husband Mm. that time. But I was so thrilled to be in Germany, living amongst my family who I left. And I think I picked up where I left off being eight years old. Mm. So I really never dealt with my trauma. I never Mm. dealt with a lot of the pain and suffering. So here's my sister and I who lived through trauma being separated and we were now inseparable. Mm -hmm. So it was like a threat to my marriage. And uh, and then I was working 24 seven. and, And so there was just a lot of stress that was put on us. And I didn't understand or didn't want to understand the pain my husband was going through at the time. And so, yeah, we hit rock bottom in February of 2014. Yeah, 2014, where I actually filed for divorce. Mm. And uh, yeah, God's story for where we are today. Because um, again, you know, it it was a good thing that it happened. And I'll tell you why, because it forced us to look within ourselves. It forced us to make a decision to choose other for who we were today, not who we were 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I saw my husband, um, totally lay down his life for the Lord during that time. And he, he fought for us. I mean, he really, really fought for us. And, you know, Yahweh God melted my heart and, and, you know, he, he really did. He auditorily tell me, you know, you, you've got to go back to your husband and, so we did, and we packed up our bags and moved to Texas where we didn't know anybody. <laughs> so we are kind of crazy like that. Ben. Well, I think, I mean, first of all, when we follow the spirit, right, we, I always say that, you know, when I was younger, the, the Lord would speak to me and I didn't really know it was him. And I used to go like, that's a weird thought, you know, and I push it away and push it away. And then eventually as I recognized that I'd started saying, yes, Lord, just like, okay, whatever. So if it's like move to Texas. Yes, Lord. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen there, but I know I feel confident that, that that's where I'm supposed to be if I'm being there. And so there's so few people, though, that have the courage and conviction to follow, you know, when they believe that's, that's what's happening. And so, um, again, it's a main to me that you are so willing to share with other people because as we know, especially with this day and age with the internet and um, emotional affairs are something that so many people experience and they think that they're not harmful. Just like pornography is not harmful. I mean, you know, we're doing anything and like, Oh, emotional affairs aren't harmful. They, they, they imprint on you. They, they imprint on your heart and, and, and change and they pull you and draw you away from the relationship that you're supposed to be. in. So, um, I, I can guarantee you that there are people here that have experienced that as well. And and so those of you guys, again, who are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or Blog Talk Radio, thank you for being here. I hope that you are finding um, the transparency that Irma is sharing with you uh, open and honest and you know, and a, and a place for you to start your own healing process. You know, there, there is hope, you know, there is hope. She filed for a divorce where, you know, maybe she can share with us what it was that changed that. And, you know, the fact that, that Alex was fighting, maybe neither one of you are being in your relationship and both of you want to give up, but is that really what the Lord wants? And again, if you're not a Christian, then you can discard what I'm saying. 
But if you, there's hope in your heart, I want you to seek out. I want you to search and find out, you know, because what if, what if we're right? What if there is a God? What if there is someone that loves you and is ready to help you and walk you through this journey and you're refusing to look at that option because of what you've been told, that, that you have been dealt, you know, those cards and, and you, you're a product of your own environment and you believe that that's inaccurate information maybe you should check it out a little bit more because I can, you know, many of you know my story and where I've been through and, and how the Lord totally healed my own heart and, and the trauma and the trials that I've been through. So, you know, we want you to have hope and, and we want you to know that you're not alone. So, um, a victim bully in your head is all about these kind of stories and, and the opportunity to, to be yourself, right. And, and to, recognize that you are worthy, that you are worth something and you are valuable. You know, we talk about the fact that, you know, even if you're broke, you're, you know, you're, you're not broken, right? You know, there's an opportunity to, to change what's happening right now. There's an opportunity and, and this might be the Lord tugging at heart as you listen to Irma and, and where she's been, you know, that just, just remember that there's hope. So, um, you know, Marcia said it's a good point. I don't know which part of what I said was a good point, but thank you. And if you guys haven't shared it out yet, I know that this is a touchy topic, but I promise you somebody needs to hear what we're talking about today. So please share out the broadcast. Give people an opportunity to privately hear something that they might have to go search for somewhere else and they might not want to. Like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't have a problem. You know, alcoholism, addiction, sexual addiction, all these things are real and they are a drum. They pull you away from the life that you want to lead. And so you know, don't be, don't be confused. You know, Satan is the author of confusion, right? And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So don't stay confused. That is not a place for you to be. Um, you know, so Irma, you, you filed for divorce. You were in Germany. You were kind of like you had living back. You were back in that place. What is it that made you choose Texas? What is it that made you guys say, you know, let's, is, was it, let's get out of here. Let's relocate and kind of do a geographic and say, you know, let's abandon this stuff or what, why did you go to Germany? I mean, uh, to Texas? Well, um, let me back up a little bit. Okay. Something you just said about emotional affairs. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a believer actually that emotional affairs are more harmful than physical affairs mm. and that I have, I've come out and talked about it openly in even my own Bible studies that I'm leading with women. There are so many that have privately messaged me and said, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with this. Oh my gosh, I'm dealing with this. I am so ashamed of it. And here's something that I'll tell you, and you mentioned this, whether you're a Christian or not, I don't believe for a second anyone walks in front of the altar and gets married because they hate that person right. or because they want a divorce or because they plan a divorce. Right. You don't have to be a believer to fight for your marriage. Right. And anyone that's gone through divorce and has gotten remarried, and you know, we know that second marriages last shorter and third marriages even shorter because the issues are still going to be the same, just a different person. Sure. And I think that's what I realized, thankfully, before it was too late. Um, because, see, the thing is, we had to look within what is missing in our relationship. And there was a need that was so empty, that was so not being filled from my husband, and that was words of affirmation. Mm. And, you know, it's a really important topic because... My husband would say, well, I'm just not good with words. I'm just not good about writing 
letters or writing notes. And, and that would be the same thing saying if I got married to him and he spoke Russian and I spoke German, I'd be like, well, I just don't want to learn English because I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a relationship without having the love languages discovered. And if you've never read the book, if you're listening to the show and you've never read the book, The Five Love Languages, I urge you to do it. It will help you in every area of your life. But when we came together, when it came to that breaking point where my husband, you know, we, we met actually in Utah, he flew out to meet me and I, I told him I would see him and, um, something happened to me where I believe the Lord just told me to be still. Hmm. And I told my husband, I said, I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to blame you or say anything, but I'm here to listen why do you want to be married to me? Because I don't even feel like you like me. Right. You know, we've, we've said things that hurt each other during that time. We really did begin to argue and we did say things that hurt each other. And I think you do that out of pain. And, um, he had shown up with a two page letter Hmm. handwritten. And he's to this day says, you know, I don't even know how I did that. Hmm. And, you know, again, I believe he allowed the Lord to work his heart and, you know, in that moment, we both just absolutely repented. I mean, really came down to, we could not say sorry enough. It wasn't like we were blaming each other, but we were like, hey, we've invested too much in here to throw this away. Right. And I looked at him and I was for the first time courageous enough to say, I need to tell me I'm pretty. Right. Well, you know, you know that I think you're beautiful. Yeah, but I need you to tell me. Because if you don't tell me, there's other guys that will tell me. And if you tell me that I look good in that outfit and that, you know, I don't do a good job or, you know what, when I do a speaking engagement and you're not the first one to compliment on me, there's others that will. And I said, God made me this way. And so if you're not going to fill my love bucket, bucket right. there's going to be 10 others that will. And that's what happened in our marriage because I did develop a successful business. I was out there making changes in lives. And so I had coaches in my life and they were male figures and they spoke life into me because I was so empty in my marriage relationship in that I craved it. And so, you know, I wanted to talk to those men. I wanted them to tell me how awesome I did because I needed that. And so But at the same time, I wasn't able to share that with my husband in the earlier years because he just told me he's not good at it. So I'm like, I don't want pressure on you. Right. Right. So when we came together and, and, you know, he began to share things with me and he would say, you know, I'm uncomfortable when you hug men more than, you know, that one second rule. And I'm like, really? That makes you uncomfortable? Okay. So there were things that we didn't see that we didn't understand. And all of a sudden we were able to verbalize it. Right. And I said, well, I can absolutely just shake hands. I have no problem with that. I'm a feely, touchy, huggy person, but no problem. If that hurts you, no big right. deal. Right. But please be the one that fills my love bucket as well. Right. And so he's got really good at it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so we did, though, realize that when we were sitting there in Utah, I had already told our kids that we're staying in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I told my family. And here I had to tell them again, I was leaving. It was the hardest thing I had to do again to my sister. Mm. But we knew, we knew enough about ourselves that if we're going to go somewhere that is, is going to be any partiality towards either one of us, Mm. we don't, we, we wouldn't have survived. 
Right. And so we said we need to be in a neutral place where we can focus 100% on healing our marriage. Mm -hmm. So thankfully I'd built enough residual income with my business that, you know, did a funny thing. We actually said, you know, Texas seems like a good state. It's a healthy economy state. It's a war. (laughs) We wanted to get out of Maine anyways. And so we did, we flew into Dallas, we rented a car and we just drove for one week around and we just, you know, prayed and drove and prayed and, you know, mm-hmm. we ended up in McKinney <laughs> oh, and, um, got on a story, you know, we didn't, we really didn't know anyone. We knew one person here, uh, my friend, Jessica, who then actually left and moved when we came here, <laughs> um, but I flew back to Germany. He flew back to Maine and we ended up arranging our move and buying our home and everything through, um, living across the ocean from each other and just trusting Yahweh God fully 100%. And that's really what it comes down to was faith, faith that he would come through faith that where we don't see a way that he would make a way. Right. Um, You know, we really became that couple to say one day, one hour at a time, but our marriage is worth fighting for. And boy, boy, it was, it is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. We'll celebrate 21 years uh, in July. That is amazing. Gosh. I mean, again, you guys, thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And I'm sure that you guys are feeling encouraged and motivated. We're going to give you some information on how to connect with Irma um, in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, as we start wrapping up the show, for those of you who are in the live audience, please be sure to share this out. And I hope that you guys are will connect with her. I hope you'll continue leaving messages. I know sometimes when topics are heavy or, you know, someone your heart's being convicted. Maybe you know you've fallen into these some of these areas that are challenging and you know that that's what's made you grouchy and you've been rude and disrespectful and maybe you're causing difficulties neighbors or friends or your spouse. But I want you to help. Um, I, I want you to change. I want you to recognize that there's an opportunity here for you to be different. You don't have to live with that and you don't have to feel shame. You don't have to hide the shame anymore. You can expose the light to the darkness. When you expose light to the darkness, that's when life changes. And so I, I really, really do hope that that you are catching this vibe here and that you're understanding that we all make mistakes and you can come out on the other side in a beautiful way. And we don't have to hold it over you. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to live under the scrutiny that you're putting under yourself, yourself under, you just don't have to. So, um, you know, there's a a lot of things. So we, but we could go on for hours and hours, but we, we're going to wrap this up. So what I'm going to do is, uh, first of all, you know, I have, um, a quote. It's funny. I was reading your website and I have a quote that I always say is that, you know, age is what turns our mess into our message. And, and I, I saw, saw something on your website, website that, that was very similar, similar right? Is, is that, but you think about that age, you know, the word message is the age and is, is what, what turns, turns your message into your message. Your message. And, and, and that's, that's what's happened with you. you. Irma, you've had all of this stuff happened. And with the age, the time that has been built, it has become your message. And now you've actually uh, converted in, you know, have a, have a speaking, you know, you do speaking engagements and stuff to inspire and motivate other people. And so I'd love for you to tell people, is there something coming up where they could see you or hear you speak? I know you, your YouTube channel, which again, we're going to put up your social media card at the end and it'll be in the show notes, but is there a place people can actually see you live, see you speak or, or connect with you? Um, well, currently I am so busy with my, uh, work that I do that I don't really have anything like lined up, but you know, I, I, I do believe that Yahweh God gave me a voice to speak and that he allowed 
a lot of the stuff to happen, you know, whether it is the pornography, the anorexia, the marriage troubles for his light to shine. It really, he turned my mess into a message. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is my heart's desire to inspire and not just inspire out of a book, but of experience. And then also if there's people that want that one-on-one, you know, I do coaching. You can go to my website, yourmamaspan.com. I do um, private coaching. And then I also am open to speaking engagements. So, you know, if this is a place where someone feels like, hey, this would be a great um, topic for a woman's group or for, you know, even business. There's so many people stuck in business because they can't get their act together at home. And they think it's business, but they really struggle, whether it is, you know, not having that relationship with their kids, their marriage, whatnot. And so um, I, I am really, I'm really strong and good at helping people identify, first of all, what is the issue? But then also my biggest strength is helping you put tools in your toolbox to say, mm-hmm. okay, we're not just going to talk about it, but let me give you some tools and how to move forward. Sure. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, really my YouTube channel, Facebook, I do lots of Facebook lives and, um, but yeah, down the road, hoping to have some um, speaking engagement where, you know, really God would lead. That's really my prayer is I, I don't want to waste any time, but I want to be able to give back to the healing that I have experienced. Definitely. And that, I think that humility and that humbleness and, and the um, desire to serve is what's really, what really people are, um, you know, what they're hearing, what they're feeling, what they're seeing. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that. You know, as we talk about that, I, I need to touch base, you know, uh, a couple of our sponsors, you guys, as you guys know, um, Archon Mounts is an amazing support system to us. And uh, I do my live streaming every day. I do a broadcast on both Facebook live as well as Periscope and Archon Mounts are the, the items that I use. I think most of you you guys know I totally love them. It's what I was using today as I was broadcasting uh, at the conference I was speaking at. So the dual broadcaster is the one on the right, the TW broadcaster, and the one on the left is the one I carry my purse. But guys, go to archon.com. You can use the code FITCHSLAP, and that's for my podcast on Monday night. But F-I-T-C-H-S-L-A-P for 20% off. And they are also a sponsor at the Social Media um, Day Denver that I'll be speaking at in just a couple of weeks here. I'll be there with Joel Tom and Kim Barst, uh, Aaron Sell, um, Mia Voss, uh, the Kramers, you know, Brian and Courtney Kramer will be with the uh, Chocolate Johnny will be there, the creme de la creme of the social media space. And so you guys can go to socialmediadaydenver.com. You can use my code Vicky for $10 off. And then as we launch into our next one, I also have a speaking engagement. As you guys know, I'm going to Australia, New Zealand. Zealand. In Fiji. Fiji. I'll be speaking at the social media conference in New Zealand, the evolution. Uh, you guys can go to um, uh, socialmediaconference.co.nz um, to get your ticket. And, and uh, we will have Juanita, and we'll be announcing in a second, but Juanita will be at, uh, my guest on the show. I think it is next Wednesday on Vicky Fitch Live. Um, so there, again, there's so many wonderful things coming up and, and speaking engagements. Like I said, when you, when you take the opportunity and turn your mess into your message, it gives us an opportunity to provide hope and stuff for other people. So you know, Irma, as you have, you know, what, what are your last closing thoughts for people to let them know, you know, giving them hope, inspiration, or something that you know you missed or in the conversation that didn't get to be said? What would you, what do you want to share with them? Well, I would definitely say that um, if you're living and breathing today, which you are, if you're watching this, mm-hmm. that it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to start healing. Mm -hmm. There's no one in this world that has been hurt enough or broken enough that our Lord and our Messiah is not capable 
enough to heal. Amen. And I am sitting here today, not because Irma is great, not because I learned something. As a matter of fact, you know, my story kind of is I'm a high school dropout. I never finished beyond ninth grade. I learned English by watching TV. I, everything that I know, everything that I am, everything who I am today, I give glory to him, Yahweh God. And that's, that's really all I can do with my life. And, you know, I can be the person to be the picture today to say, Hey, hold my hand and I'll show you the path. And if you've ever doubted that he's real, well, you know what? I couldn't be here today. There's so many times that I should have been dead whether it is by self-infliction or because of my health, but I am here because of him. And, you know, it is absolutely my goal to just show the world that he's real, that forgiveness is real. You know, if you're struggling with wanting to forgive, oh my goodness, it is the best thing you can do. And if you're dealing with addictions or anything like that, don't believe for a second that you're going to have to have that stigma on the back of your head. You know, we didn't talk about total healing from anorexia, but that really did happen, you know, to me in 2007. And it's because I chose to surrender it to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't because I said, I'm going to go to a 10 step counseling session. Now counseling is great, mm-hmm. but healing come from him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the day I decided to hand it over and, and he totally took it in. That's it. Never once did I struggle again, total, mm-hmm. complete healing one day to the next. And the Bible says, you know, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus, the Messiah is Lord, um, that's it. You know, that's my message. That is the message that I preach every day in my work and in my surroundings. And, and my hope and my desire is that, you know, people will truly see him for who he is. Well, that's an amazing message of hope. And, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, um, many of the, my listeners here know they call me the hope dealer and that's what we do. We try and provide hope and inspiration and motivation to remember that you are a product of your own environment, but you don't have to stuck where you are. You get to move forward and you're not alone. You know, you are good enough. You are strong enough. You are amazing. And a victim bully in your head was written. So you guys can remember that you're not alone and that you can start looking at fun anecdotes to say, yeah, okay, I understand how the bully got there. You know, he didn't come in as this big hulking 300 pound gorilla. He came in as an itty bitty baby that I clothed and I fed and I allowed to get abusive and mean and, and, and to be discouraged by, but we can evict that bully. And this is a, your opportunity. And I, we just appreciate guests that come on and expose their hearts and their vulnerabilities. And they're just so transparent to give you an opportunity, um, to be the best you that you can be. So for those of you guys, um, we did have Irma uh, does have a, um, a favorite quote. So uh, we're going to go ahead and put that up really quick. And as a, a Christian woman, I believe this quote was from Esther and it says born for such a time as this. And that's her, um, her website, website has, has that, that as well. And um, you know, there's, there's so many things you guys that, I come of each one of these episodes. There's so many, I know that I'm going to get a flood of messages from people who, who need hope and need healing. So think about it as you're going through your day. Have you met someone that might need this broadcast? Share it out with them. Are you struggling? Have you been trying to pretend through the broadcast that um, you haven't done some of those things that you didn't do an emotional affair? You haven't been drinking just a little too much. You haven't been maybe sneaking a peek at that pornography or something that that's stimulating you. Maybe you're addicted to video games. Maybe you're addicted to, um, it doesn't matter. Addiction is a very tricky thing. And like Irma said, you know, God can heal you from those. I know some of you may not believe 
But you know what? Just just have hope and remember, look to him, ask him, you know, get on the floor like Irma did and say, hey, you're there. You better show up in a big way right now. Put him to the test to give him an opportunity, because I have to tell you, you know, I, as you guys know, I'm a really believer that I am grounded in, in Jesus Christ, that he is my Lord and Savior. And I have an audience of one and that's him. And so the, the outside world doesn't matter to me anymore. I love you guys. I want you to want me, you know, to connect with you. I want you to be part of my world, but the only one I have to please is him. And it's a freeing opportunity. And I want you guys to experience that too. So I want to remember that. And as we wrap this up, you guys, next week, we have no show. He said, Red said, the following week, I have Mr. Jamar Brown uh, from Break It yeah, Down Brown. He, he is uh, applying to, to be my new he. You know, he, you know that, that um, on He said, Red said, said where Red is always right. right. We're, We're looking, looking for a new he. So I'm looking for a new man in my life that can go ahead to head Red. It's got some witty banter going on. And we'll actually uh, make Monday a fun day again for you guys. And uh, we have some really great candidates. I'd love for you guys to tweet me on Twitter at Vicky underscore Fitch and let me know which applicant you're liking the best. Send me a message on uh, on uh, Facebook. I'd love to know. Um, we also next week, like I said, we have Juanita Forey from, from uh, New, New Zealand. Zealand. She, she is she is, is uh, who, who I'm speaking, speaking for at the social media conference. conference. She's, She's going to be our guest and be sharing some great tips and tricks about social media and, and what, what she does in New Zealand. And um, I don't want you guys to get jealous, but remember, you can come to New Zealand. Remember, you guys can take a trip out to business expense, a social media, amazing social media conference with some great people like Chocolate Johnny and uh, and Samantha are tweeting goddess where you're going to have a rocking good time. And then um, I am actually on Nita's podcast tomorrow at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So if you guys are watching my Facebook page in Periscope, I'll try and um, and pop in on those platforms while I'm on that podcast and, you know, kind of keep you guys up to date. And so guys, I just really do appreciate you. We're going to put up Irma's information here. So I want you guys to be able to take a screenshot of that so you can connect with her. You know, at IrmaMossPan.com. I-R-M-A-M-O-S-P-A-N.com. She has another website as as well, but it wasn't, wasn't working earlier. So I'm, um, Emma, what's, what's the name, name of it? Um, it's, it's wellness. It's wellness on a budget.com wellness on a budget.com. And we will put that in the show notes for you. So you, you guys have access to that. And, and like I said, to, to be able to trigger that, she has a lot of knowledge besides this area that we were discussing today. She's got a lot of knowledge and experience and opportunity to help you guys. Um, and so guys, for those of you who don't know me, I'm going to introduce myself as we close out the podcast for today. I am Vicki Fitch. I'm a direct sales expert. I've been in the industry 20 years, top 10 sales and recruiting internationally for more than a decade. I've also built and sold four companies. I am an author, a speaker, and an international business consent helping you get outside the 5,000 to turn your passion into your profits. If you guys want a free consultation because you're ready to level up your business, go to vickifitch.com forward slash 20. Also, we talked about some other pieces, uh, other opportunities. If you go to vickifitch.com slash biz, B-I-Z, there's a lot of uh, buttons that you can just check so you can get a lot of the information that you want triggered about having to re-sign up for other things. So I hope you'll take an opportunity to do that. I want to remind you guys that I'm on uh, every week weekday, well, actually every day at six, typically at 6 p.m. I do a live broadcast on both Facebook Live and Periscope, delivering you value on mindset, money, motivation, anything from sales to social media or anything in between. We also do the Christianpreneur show and ask Vicki. So I'm here to serve you as my point is that I want to give you the information I can um, on in, in any way to help you to build your business and your brand and just to become a better, you know, the best version of you. So guys, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I want to remind you, like I always do, to dream it, believe it, and achieve it. Ciao.